1968, deep within the Amazon, there was a plane crash. The crash site was located in the Brazilian state of Acre, a wild and mostly uncharted jungle region of western Brazil bordering Peru. Aboard this doomed plane were 12 Brazilian government officials who miraculously managed to survive the impact. But their troubles were far from over. The seemingly endless expanse of jungle around them stretched for miles and miles in every direction, and the stranded men were hopelessly far from any modern civilization. And to make matters worse, there were also the local tribes to contend with, some of whom were not particularly welcoming to outsiders. The roar of the plane careening into the jungle alerted a number of different local tribes, including the Haitia. Before long, a group of Haitia men arrived at the crash site and took the 12 Brazilians hostage. Things were looking pretty bleak for the men, but unbeknownst to them, hidden among their misfortune was one small stroke of luck. A second party had also been made aware of the crash. Tatunka Nara, chieftain of the Uga Mangalala tribe, and his intentions, it would seem, were a little bit more benevolent than that of the Haitia. A short while after the 12 men were captured, Tatunka Nara arrived on scene. He rescued the captive men and led them hundreds of miles through the Amazon to the city of Manaus and safety in the bordering state of Amazonas, where he was lauded as a hero by the Brazilian government. And it is here, following Tatunka Nara's arrival in Manaus, that the fascinating story of Tatunka Nara and his tribe's mysterious city of Akakor begins to unfold in earnest. This is Simply Strange, the podcast where anything spooky, weird, and goosebump-inducing is fair game. Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to Simply Strange. This is episode 30. I am PJ, and as always, thank you for stopping by. This week's story is a little bit of a roller coaster. There are a ton of twists and turns and a lot of different beats that I want to hit, so hopefully I do an okay job of that. I tried to make everything pretty straightforward with this story, but I guess we will see. This month, for the first time in quite a while, we will be heading down to South America. This is the story of the lost city of Akakor. When Tatunka Nara emerged from the jungle and arrived in the city of Manaus, he immediately fascinated the Brazilians. For starters, his tribe, the Uga Mangalala, was one that no one had ever heard of. The man wore only a loincloth and feather and carried with him a bow, but he otherwise bore no resemblance to any indigenous tribe. In fact, he much more closely resembled someone of European descent. Tatunka Nara was white very tan, but still clearly of European descent. 
He had sharp features, long dark hair and brown eyes, and he spoke broken German and a little bit of Portuguese, but also a number of different indigenous languages local to the upper reaches of the Amazon. While all the details surrounding Tutankanara culminated in a puzzle that didn't quite fit together, the government was extremely grateful towards the man for having rescued their 12 officials, and as a result, Tutankanara was granted a labor permit and an identity card, thus becoming a Brazilian citizen. But only a few short weeks after his arrival in Manaus, Tutankanara disappeared back into the Amazon presumably to rejoin his mysterious tribe that no one had ever heard of. However, this would not be the last that would be seen of Tatunkanara. In 1972, he re-emerged, this time showing up in the town of Rio Branco, the capital of the Brazilian state of Acre. And it is here that more details finally begin to emerge about the puzzling man, as well as his so-called tribe. His accent and distinct features, he claimed, were passed down to him by his mother, a German nun who had been taken in by the indigenous Amazonians. And that is one of the more simple parts of his story. Where things begin to get truly fascinating is with the emergence of further details about his tribe, the Uga Mangalala, and their home, the underground city of Akakor, hidden away deep in the Amazon. During his second tenure in Brazil, Tatunka Nara's outlandish stories caught the attention of a German journalist living in Rio de Janeiro, a man by the name of Karl Brueger. Brueger was fascinated by the tale of Akakor, but also, understandably, a little skeptical. He conferred with the Brazilian government, hoping to gain some level of clarity on the strange but fascinating man, and he was told of the rescue of the 12 officials who had crashed and been taken captive in the Amazon. Brueger was informed that Tatunkanara was highly regarded and was vouched for by some very high-level members of the Brazilian government. So Brueger was convinced to hear him out, and over the coming years, he would have numerous meetings with Tatunkanara, in which he recorded the tale of Akakor in painstaking detail, details that, in 1976, he compiled and published in a book called The Chronicle of Akakor. According to Tatunkanara, the story of Akakor begins 15,000 years ago, when a race of white-skinned aliens suddenly showed up in South America aboard a fleet of golden airships. These aliens, recalled Nara, looked just like humans, only with one notable exception. They had six fingers on each hand. Prior to their arrival, humans lived like animals, lost in a primitive fog, there were no laws, no agriculture, no clothes, and no knowledge. The people of the land wandered aimlessly about on all fours. But these mysterious visitors from a faraway universe took interest in them, and passed on their knowledge of modern society, pulling the primitive humans from their darkness and teaching them their ways. The strangers taught the nomadic people of the land how to settle, and to utilize agriculture to create self-sustaining cities. They taught them their laws, showed them how to weave clothes, and helped them to build and assign each other designated homes. The ancient fathers, Nara explained, pulled man out of the darkness and showed them the light. And in the process, tribes began to develop. And one tribe was of particular importance. Tatuka Nara's tribe, the Uga Mangalala, or Allied Chosen Tribes. According to Tatunka Nara, 
The Ugamangalala was formed when the ancient fathers hand-selected an assortment of families to serve as their servants, a position regarded with the highest honor. This hand-selected group, chosen by the ancient fathers, mated with them as part of their covenant. Together, the Ugamangalala and their masters established and operated a growing empire, until finally, 3,000 years after their arrival, the ancient fathers left, just as mysteriously as they had arrived. This point is the beginning of the Ugamangalala calendar, and is referred to as Hour Zero. But by that point, their impact had been made, and the people of the Amazon region retained the knowledge imparted onto them by their former masters. The Uga Mangulala carried on with the formation of their empire, building great stone cities all across South America, the greatest of which was Akakor. Located in a lush valley somewhere along the borders of what are now modern-day Peru and Brazil, Akakor became the capital city of the Uga Mangulala. The mighty city was surrounded on all sides by a high, extensive stone wall with 13 narrow gates, and in the center, was the Great Temple of the Sun, an impressive stone temple dedicated to the worship of the people of Akakor's extraterrestrial masters. For over 12,000 years, Akakor and the Ugumangalala Empire thrived, weathering natural disasters and vicious tribal wars. Until, that is, the year 4130 by the Ugumangalala calendar, at which point disaster struck. A collection of rival tribes branded as the Degenerated Tribes by Tatunkanara, banded together and formed an impressive army bent on laying waste to the city of Akakor and its residents. And they were successful. As the story goes, Akakor was destroyed, and Uma, the prince of the Ugamangalala, was killed. And the few survivors of the bloody battle fled, abandoning their once grand city and retreating into a series of caves. Following the destruction of Akakor, Tatunkanara's story continues in spectacular fashion, with the Uga Mangalala experiencing internal strife, devastating natural disasters, wars with invading white men, and an eventual second visit by the ancient fathers, all of which is recorded in extensive detail in Karl Brueger's The Chronicle of Akakor, and is far too extensive to review here. But we've covered the basics, so hopefully you get the idea. What is important to know, though, is that the people of Akakor remained underground for many thousands of years after its destruction. They rebuilt, creating a vast underground metropolis laid out as an exact replica of their devastated city on the surface. And many thousands of years later, Tatunkanara became the chief of the Uga Mangalala. And while the story of Akakor is certainly an interesting tale, there's much more to this story that has yet to unfold. In fact, the true mystery and wonder of this story lies not with the alleged lost city of Akakor, but instead in the circumstances surrounding it, in Tatunkanara, and in a set of morbid and unexplainable events that seem to follow him all along the way. Now, 
I do want to make sure that it's abundantly clear that all of this so far, the story of the lost underground city of Akakor, is as told by Tatunkanara. It's his story and his words. It's fantastical, and to be frank, there is little to no evidence that any of it is actually true. But that's not really the point. I'll leave you to make your own decision as to whether you put any stock into Tatunkanara's claims or not. All of that being said, when Carl Brueger met Tatunkanara, he was willing to accept, based on the glowing endorsements Nara received by the Brazilian government, that there just might be some hint of truth hidden among his words. Brueger was largely skeptical, but he was still interested, and he was eager to parse through the story and figure out just where exactly the line between fact and fiction actually lived. So when one day Tatunkanara offered to actually take Carl Brueger to Akakor, Brueger eagerly accepted the invitation. In late 1972, Carl Brueger went on a journey with Tatunkanara to try to find the mysterious city. Together, the two men, accompanied by a cameraman hired by Brueger, boarded a canoe and set out, cruising up the Rio Negro and deep into the Amazon on a small hired boat, with which they hauled an even smaller canoe with a motor strapped to the back for when the vast Rio Negro would eventually give way to small, difficult-to-navigate estuaries. The men packed light, or as light as they could at least, for the anticipated six-week journey, bringing with them a collection of gear and supplies that included hammocks, mosquito nets, cooking utensils, clothes, medical supplies, and various weapons. And of course, an assortment of filming supplies to document their journey and the pot of gold at the end. For the first week or so, their trip went relatively smoothly. The Rio Negro is vast and calm, and their boat plodded along unimpeded by the dangers that lurk in the vast forest that surrounded them. But around 10 days in, the moment that Carl Brueger had been dreading arrived. The trio finally had to abandon the comfort of their hired boat for the dangers of tighter passageways and a cramped canoe. As time crawled forward, Brueger and his cameraman grew increasingly wary of the journey. The fear of what lurked ahead of them in the forest began to grow stronger, and their doubts about their leader grew stronger with it. Where was Tatunkanara taking them? Or did he even know? By October 13th, Brueger was seriously considering turning around and abandoning the mission. And then, something happened that made the decision for him. The trio found themselves bracing against their vessel as they desperately fought to navigate their shuddering canoe through a particularly gnarly series of rapids. To their relief, the men did manage to weather the worst of it. The narrow, foliage-enclosed stream began to calm, and they were lulled into a false sense of safety. And, just as they were, tragedy struck. The canoe got caught in an eddy, whipping it around, and before its occupants even had a chance to react, it capsized, launching the three men and all of their supplies into the river. They scrambled, desperately trying to recover their quickly dispersing food and supplies, but ultimately, much of it was still lost. Half of their food and medical supplies, as well as all of their camera gear, was caught up and destroyed by the swiftly moving river. And this, at least for Carl Brueger, was the final straw. With insufficient supplies and no way of recording their findings if they ever found anything at all, he decided to turn around. So the next day, 
he and his cameraman abandoned the mission. They took their canoe and returned to the city of Manaus, from which they had initially departed. They, however, would not be joined by Tatunkanara. As his two companions departed in one direction, Tatunkanara carried on in the opposite one. He donned the traditional garb of his people, a loincloth and war paint, and he disappeared into the Amazon, taking a footpath to his people's underground dwelling. After that day, when Tatunkanara disappeared into the depths of the Amazon, and Karl Brueger departed by water in the opposite direction, the two never saw each other again. Or that's how the story goes, at least. Now, Karl Brueger was not the only one to be tempted by Nara's claims. In fact, Nara's grand tale of the vast underground city of Akakor sparked the imagination of many, becoming something of a phenomenon, and before too long, he realized that he had a full-fledged business on his hands. Adventurers from across the globe caught wind of the mysterious underground city, hidden away deep in the abyss of the Amazon. They wanted to see it for themselves, and the only one who could take them there was Tatunkanara. So Nara began to work as a jungle guide, taking tourists and adventurers deep into the Amazon in search of Akakor, but never really finding anything. However, for some of his clients, the results of the journey were a little bit worse than the simple disappointment of being conned. For some, these expeditions were truly disastrous. John Reed of California was one such person who believed in the legitimacy of Tatunkanara's tales. Reed was an enthusiast of the mysterious. He was the author of a book on UFO sightings, and he was equally fascinated by tales of lost cities, Akakor being one of them. So in 1980, Reed made the journey from California to the Amazon rainforest, where he met Tatunkanara and ventured deep into the jungle with him, never to be seen again. In 1983, another of Nara's clients vanished without a trace. This time, it was Herbert Vonner, a Swiss explorer who entered the forest with Tatunka Nara and never returned. And in 1987, a third person associated with Tatunka Nara disappeared, a Swedish woman by the name of Christine Huser. Reportedly, when Huser learned of Tatunka Nara, she developed a bizarre sort of fascination with him. She became convinced that she had lived a previous life along the Amazon River, and some reports even claim that she believed that she had been Tatunkanara's wife in that previous life. Now, that claim I'm not totally convinced the reliability of, but it seems pretty clear that she felt some sort of unusual connection to Akakor. And whatever the case, soon after Huser traveled to Brazil and met Tatunkanara, she too disappeared. All three of these people who disappeared after seeking out Tatunkanara did so almost without a trace, the one exception being Herbert Vonner. A few years after his disappearance, a group of tourists discovered a skull in the jungle, a skull with a bullet hole in it, that would later be forensically identified as that of Herbert Vonner, confirming his fate 
and likely that of John Reed and Christine Huser as well. It's admittedly plausible that Nara may not have been as heavily involved with these people as reports may indicate. These small towns along remote Amazonian rivers were not exactly metropolises with highly developed investigative resources. They're small, and a lot of the buzz around Tatunka Nara's involvement in the disappearances does seem to start as a rumor, originating from someone who knew someone who knew a boat operator who heard about the murders from a fisherman. But that being said, they did happen. And Tatunka Nara certainly invites suspicion. And there is one other significant piece of information that raises even more questions. During this same time period, Carl Brueger was murdered. On January 3rd, 1984, as Brueger and a friend walked the streets of Ipanema Beach in Rio de Janeiro, they were approached by a would-be mugger. The man held Brueger at gunpoint and demanded he give him his money. And Brueger obliged. He began to reach for his pocket to retrieve his wallet, but before he was given the opportunity to hand it over, the assailant pulled the trigger and shot Brueger in the heart, killing him. The robber ran away and has never been successfully identified. After the investigation, Rio police determined that this was nothing more than a random robbery gone wrong. However, given Brueger's association with Tatunkanara, it's easy to wonder if he had any connection to the murder. And soon, stories began to circulate throughout the Amazon region that perhaps Carl Brueger's death had been orchestrated by Tatunkanara as a result of an argument over the royalties from Brueger's recently released book, The Chronicle of Akakor, and that the robbery was simply a cover-up. Unfortunately, the story of Tatunkanara and the lost city of Akakor leaves us with more questions than answers. Is Akakor real? Who was responsible for the deaths of the three unfortunate adventurers? And did Tatunkanara have anything to do with the murder of Carl Gruber? One route that could possibly help to shine some light on these questions is to further examine Tatunkanara himself. Following the string of incidents that seemed to be surrounding Tatunkanara, authorities began to look into him, and not just Brazilian authorities. As we've discussed, unlike the native people of the Amazon, Tatunkanara was white, and given his apparent ties to Germany, his case soon made it across the Atlantic to German authorities as well. And in the late 1890s, a massive break was made in the case when German authorities announced that Tatunkanara was actually a German citizen, a man by the name of Hans Gunther Hoke. Much of the research debunking Nara's claim comes from a German adventurer named Rudiger Neyberg, who ran into Nara during one of his Amazonian adventures and didn't get along particularly well with him, and later wrote a book about him in 1991 titled The Self-Made Chief. In this book, he further fleshes out the background of Tatunka Nara, or Hans Gunther Hoke. Mr. Hoke was born in October of 1941 in Bavaria, Germany, and according to Neyberg, 
he had quite an active imagination, growing very fond of Tarzan books and becoming enthralled by the idea of living freely in the Amazon. In 1966, he took a job aboard a freighter and attempted to jump ship in Venezuela, but was captured and brought back to Germany, where he was diagnosed as schizophrenic and eventually jailed for three months for failing to support his wife and kids. But this was just a speed bump, and about three years later, he tried again. He sailed to South America and jumped ship yet again, and this time he managed to make it to shore and disappear into the Amazon. Then, as the story goes, Tutunkanara emerged a couple of years later. So, if German authorities and Rudiger Neiberg are to be believed, then Tutunkanara is certainly not to be believed, and Akakor is likely just a story that was blown up out of proportion by a very successful book chronicling its fascinating history. Or maybe there's a hint of truth in there somewhere. As for the deaths of the three adventurers, Nara has denied any involvement, claiming that Reed and Vonner refused to return from the jungle when he informed them that the tour was over and that it was time to return to town. And Huser, he has stated, he last saw taking a boat downriver to the city of Manaus. But coming from a man who seems to have an overwhelming tendency to stretch the truth, who knows exactly what the fate of the unfortunate adventurers was. The vast and dangerous expanses of the Amazon make for a very difficult investigation, and whatever evidence may be hidden there likely will never be found, and Nara's connection to the deaths of the three adventurers and to Karl Brueger's murder remains something of a mystery. The answer, hidden by deceit, a difficult investigation, and two million square miles of rainforest. This was definitely a wild one. If you want to learn more about the story and the lore behind Akakor, I would definitely recommend checking out Carl Brueger's book that I mentioned earlier, The Chronicle of Akakor. It's $200 for a hard copy, so you probably don't want to go that route, but it's also pretty easy to find the PDF online, so just Google that if you want to give it a read. Anyway, as always, if you would like to keep up with the show, you can find Simply Strange on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We've got t-shirts and coffee mugs at simplystrangepodcast.com slash merch. So if you like t-shirts and coffee mugs, check that out. And if you would like to help support the show, you can take a look at patreon.com slash simplystrange for more info. Speaking of which, I would like to extend an enormous thank you to Don L., our latest supporter over on Patreon. So thank you for that, Don. I really appreciate it. And that's it. That is a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm hoping to release the next episode of Simply Strange on January 29th, last Wednesday of the month. But that may be a little challenging. I have a lot of stuff going on, and I'm going to be out of town for two weeks for the holidays. So if I miss that, it'll be the 5th of February. But I don't know. We'll cross that bridge next month. I hope everyone has a great holidays and Simply Strange will be back before too long.